Hello and welcome to the Data Cafe. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jason. And today we're going to talk about version control for data scientists. Oh, fab. Uh, This is really uh, quite an exciting and interesting topic close to my heart, but Jason, why? Well, I think we should start with what is version control, and and why do we care about it uh, from a data science perspective? Yeah, version control is a way to, I guess, breaking down the words directly, control or have some element of oversight of evolving versions of your code. So as your code evolves from simply sitting down and starting from scratch with a prototype into working with other people and bringing together all of your pieces of code and then merging it and building an ultimate code base and pipeline. You know, there's a whole avenue for mistakes and bugs and error catching because of all of that process. And version control is a way to help manage that and avoid some of those challenges or at least minimize the danger of some of those challenges introducing problems to your code base. And I think fundamentally, I mean, when you actually get into the execution of a project from a, a data science perspective, you, your your lingua franca is is the code that you write, right? So, so if you're working as a team, then you need a mechanism for 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 sharing that in a really effective way. And I think for me, and we're probably going to talk about this later, version control and version control software gives us that ability to be really effective in how we share um, code and make it work in a, in, a, in a collaborative environment. Yeah, collaboration actually is a key word there. Um, version control can be used to kind of treat your code as a way to roll back. So you have these versions that have been brought together and you can roll back if something has created an issue in a software development point of view. So maybe you don't want to actually release it. You don't want to put that code into production yet because you've done a test of the merged feature that you developed and it was problematic, so you roll back. But also it's the collaboration. So in developing those features before you even bring them to production, people can work in parallel and work in a way that their code is not yet interacting or interfering with the entire code base until they have decided I will now merge it and work with other people in the team to make sure that that merge is smooth and overcome any conflicts. You know, right down to if two lines clash, one person has made a change and agrees with the rest of the team. Is this change useful? Let's let's merge it in. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, you've already used two quite heavily version control words with merge and, and rollback and yeah you know may, maybe for the audience that that is, is is new to this you know understanding what those are and, and why those are relevant to to code i mean i think it's, it's as it sounds right so you you merge code when you're working separately on a piece of uh, a piece of project work a piece of code and you uh, and you've got um, a fellow data scientist or, or engineer who's also working on um, a different part of the code base, and you want to bring those two those two features or code bases together to form a single um, single merged code 
um, entity. So that's that's the merge element. Rollback is really interesting because this is something which I think if you just work in Word, I don't know, it probably does have it now, but certainly for a long time it didn't. It was quite hard to sort of undo more than a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so rollback is 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 where you get to say, oh, I made a made a terrible mistake, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a completely different version. Um, stop development on this bit. It doesn't actually mean you throw away what you've got, though, does it? You can still you can still come back to what you were working on before. Yeah, every version is stored. We think of it chronologically, but every commit is its own milestone, and you can navigate those. So you can move back and forward in time, and even to maintain that kind of philosophical outlook. Like we talk about working with a team, but I've said to people before that even it's collaborating with my past and future self. So when I check in some code, you know, I've got that with my own messages about why I made those changes. So it's feeding that documentation process and that history of the development, even just for myself to go back and look at. And then, of course, there's a knowledge transfer for anybody else who joins the team to go back and look at and understand this is the code as it currently stands, and this is my addition to the code, and this is the way the people have worked together to merge those pieces of code into one yeah. pipeline. And there's ways to do this. You know, we've um, looked at Git is a very common, probably the most popular version control mm-hmm. system that people use. It's um, distributed, so everybody has their own version, and um, well, their own copy of those versions of the code. <laughs> And Git flow is a way that I think is really nice for people to branch off, create those parallel pieces of work to run experiments. And this is where the science bit comes in. Yeah. So you work in parallel and run essentially a hypothesis test of, I think this additional feature, whatever it might be, right down to like a feature in a model and you work to write the code to do the engineering to get that feature or a feature of your code base, you know, which is the more software use of the term. And if you do that in parallel, then you bring those together. That's your branches of the tree and they come back together on the main trunk of the code development. And that's that long running evolution of the code towards the stable release. That's something which, which really impressed me. As I was, I was used to using version control for documents before I, I started using it for um, source code and nice. um, yeah absolutely so collaboratively writing papers or scientific articles or something like that it was it was really when you have multiple authors it was a great way of doing it's a um, good point to say that it doesn't just apply to code actually. right it doesn't no yeah yeah um, uh, you, you can you, you know it can be any any nicely represented document uh, could, could, can ha- it can be subject to this really pleasant collaborative framework okay. uh, well why can't i just rename it version 3 final draft 11 <laughs> final 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 <laughs> today's date dash one <laughs> yeah exactly and and that's and that's probably it really i, I think it's, it's about getting away from trying to encode uh, the exact iteration of, of of whatever it is you're working on in in, in the file name uh, and being able to do that as we said Work collaboratively across yeah. across the, the the code that you um, that you're wanting to share. But I think the thing I really liked about this was the, this idea that you could it goes hand in hand with the project management elements of data science. You know, data right. science, although it has this sort of lovely sort of oh, it's 
it's just inspiration. I, 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 I think about these lovely ideas and I have this fantastic sort of um, blue innovation, sky, yeah. blue sky yeah. thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It brings um, a framework on that. It, it massively yeah. does. And we've alluded to this before, but um, it, you know, such an important part of the framework. Yes, yes, innovation is hugely important, but it, it still has to be carefully planned and, and then executed. And you plan it with your project management tool and you execute it through your version control system so that your the, the, the task that you're working on has, you know, typically in the, in the, in the Git flow you're talking about, typically has a, a branch of that code which represents that and um, that task being implemented and then ultimately tested and brought back into the into, into the uh, um, yeah. into the fold. And there's different ways, like there's different systems and different flow workflows out there depending on the setup. And um, but one of the things that I also wanted to motivate is building towards um, continuous integration, continuous deployment, mm. um, the kind of framework of MLOps, which is a kind of a subset of DevOps or an extension to it, where as a scientist, you'd be building and considering the code and the models, but the data as well alongside it. And there's a big move now towards versioning your data as well as yes. you know the, the models. So we've kind of come a long way from notebooking to this whole ecosystem of integrating your code and deploying it and going through automated testing and stress testing potentially and the cycle that that brings you back to with enhancing your model and being able to push that through your MLOps framework again, which is a lovely way to aspire your team to work together. I totally agree. I, I love this. I call, I call this model ops. Um, so I, I see it's almost a, a nice. slightly narrow, narrower field again because this... For, for people who don't who don't work in this world, you, you know, you, your model as a data scientist depends typically on the data, and uh, your 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 data drives the learning in the model, and the learning in the model drives the output that that model is going to give you for uh, an unseen, previously unseen um, uh, output. So you know, so what, let's make this real, right? So so you've got a a forecast model that you've trained on historic data and it's for, going to forecast uh, sales for you know, the next uh, quarter or something like that. And in order to train this model, you bring in two or three years worth of historic data. And, and now you've got a trained model on that two or three years of data, um, which is going to give you the next quarter. But then in six months time, you're going to use different data and you're going to create yeah. a new model, which is going to give you a different output and you, you, I think the important thing to realize is, is you've got this, this triumvirate. You've got the input crossed with the, the, the model code slash architecture, uh, and you've got the output. And, and uh, if you change anything in the first two, either the data, which, which gives you the training, or the, um, the architecture of the model itself, of course, then you're going to get different uh, quality, accuracy, uh, veracity of output. And tracking that and being able to reproduce it is genuinely hard unless you've got something like a sort of a version controlling system around your um, around your modeling architecture. And that touches on kind of the hesitation that some people may have about this, which is the overhead 
So mm. it takes, you know, it's another thing to learn. Yes. version. Do I have you know, to? I just, I just, yeah, I just want to build the model. Yeah. <laughs> Science is hard, and now you want me to version the, all of the code as well. So and, and the data, and the model. And the, data, and the, yeah. Yeah. And the so output. Yeah. I guess it really is um, highlighting that there are risks along that entire pipeline. True. And this is one of the ways to minimize the damage that those risks have. And the overhead will be worth it to certain levels. And as your team grows, it's a really good idea, I think, to get everybody on the same page with how they're versioning, how they're collaborating, and how they're bringing that all together to avoid some of those risks and minimize the potentially damaging ways that codes can conflict or inhibit each other's features and progress. Mm. And although you say you're right, there is... There is a, an element of, well, I've got to learn a new language. It's not actually that complicated in a language. It's, it's three or four core commands that give you access to any previous version of the thing you're working on from any point in time, allow you to merge it back in to the, to, to the existing code, such as the project framework, and record some nice metadata. Maybe we should talk a little bit about mm. that. Yeah, well, you say that, but it's that's all well and good when it goes smooth. Well, right. okay. But what about that time I do a pull and I get some weird conflict error that I haven't seen before, I think. We've been painting this really rosy picture. So maybe, Jason, you'd like to talk, talk us through what, what, what it was the key sort of pitfalls that you can encounter then when, when, you're, when you're using a system like this, which is super sophisticated and does a lot of hard lifting for you. But what, have, what, what, what are the pitfalls? Um, like for me, the main pitfalls as a scientist are the dangers with versioning things like notebooks or, or caching um, data that then fills up the repository. That, that's like one of the kind of um, dangerous ways to mm. version things if that's not agreed or managed properly. Um, but then actual interaction with the code base needs agreement between your teammates that if you're merging some code like you do things like pull requests, which is a way to agree that people run tests and review the code together or in isolation mm. or come up with edge cases to like stress test or even just agree that the merge of the code base has worked. And then there's an agreed process for how you bring that together on your main branch, you know, that main trunk. Um, and then what you do in the case of a new bug that gets discovered, do you branch off for a hot fix or do you um, swarm together on, on fixing something? So it really does illustrate, again, the value of communication at the core of it, that yeah. everybody agrees. And this is why I mentioned the Git flow workflow earlier as just one example of everybody being on the same page and mm. bringing in that overhead of learning what is that same page for working together on this. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jason. That was really great. Thanks for joining us today at the Data Cafe. You can like and review this on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Or if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us, jason at datacafe.uk or jeremy at datacafe.uk or on Twitter at datacafepodcast. We'd love to hear your suggestions for future episodes.